Well, good morning uh, and thank you this morning for coming. Uh, if it's your first time to Willow Park Church, we want to welcome you. If you're joining us in one of our communities and campuses, we want to welcome you as well. And we're just blessed uh, that you're part of us and that you're willing to engage in all that God is doing. Well, we're praying right now. Uh, for uh, 120 senior highs that are on their way down to LA on a mission. So uh, wave goodbye to them. Um, I think they arrived at 6 a.m. and left about 7.30 a.m. and then drove down to the border. Kelowna Christian School were in the provincials, which apparently they won. So uh, that was very nice. There we go. If, you, if you're connected, that's fabulous. Uh, and all of the buses arrived there and cheered on Colonial Christian School and then went on to Portland. So, uh, so I know that they're having a good time and a good journey. And I, I know because I've got two daughters on those buses. So that's good. Uh, and uh, and I, I'm blessed by that. So uh, it's exciting and good. And, and it's weird because we're actually going on a bit of annual leave over spring break. And next week, uh, 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 Dave is preaching. Uh, Dave McLean, he's launched a book. He's written a book called The Lies of the Enemy, which fits well with our whole series on the unseen in Ephesians chapter 6. And he will be speaking. And so don't miss that. Um, it fits nicely, of course, with the way we're going this morning and what we're doing. So, but we're off down to the Oregon coast uh, and we're guaranteed uh, rain. And so... We're going to uh, a place called Cannon Beach for a few days and then going to go and hug a tree and see the mighty redwoods and, and see, I haven't been there yet. And, and we're very excited about this, particularly if we get to drive through that tree that is like a tunnel. Yes. You, don't know, you just don't know how much that will mean to my eight-year-old boy to drive through, and me, to drive through a tree that's a tunnel. Isn't that the coolest thing? Uh, maybe not for you. Because uh, you're like, come on. We're from BC. We've got trees. We used to have trees bigger than those trees, but we chopped them down. Because um, we're industrious. That's what we do. Lumberjacks. So, um, so, do, um, uh, so that's a bit strange because we're actually bucking hotel rooms with, with two beds in. And, and for four, which is uh, cheaper. Um, <laughs> when you're a family of four and now you've got two, you're thinking, oh. Anyway, God bless. Um, so if you're visiting us, we want to give you a big welcome and so on. We're beginning a short series on the unseen. We've been working our way through passages in the book of Ephesians and looking at themes. And we're looking at the whole area uh, of spiritual warfare, of the battle that we're involved in. So I want to share about this. I want to talk to you about this. And, and you may find, actually, uh, that this is a subject you're unfamiliar with or a subject that, that you've often not given much thought to. Maybe you've attended here and you're new to Christianity. We get loads of guests here. Uh, just about every week now, somebody gives their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Pastor Steve catches them, and uh, every week, it's fabulous. Um, and, and it's wonderful. I'm going to start calling him One A Week Steve. And just brilliant. Uh, and so you might be visiting, you might be going, oh, I don't understand spiritual warfare. 
You know, for me, coming from a complete non-Christian background, uh, perhaps this may surprise you, but although I was an atheist and I did not believe in God, oxymoron coming here, there was a sense within my life that somehow I believed in profound darkness and evil. Now, you may say, well, is that true? Well, it may interest you that a recent uh, YouGov poll of, 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 of people in the United States and Canada showed that a staggering 89% believed in evil in the world. Something like over 50% actually believed in the presence of, of demonic forces and evil forces within our world. And the rest of them believed in some form of force, some kind of evil that exists that is real. So the issue we have is that 89% and only 11% of North Americans go, no, no, no. They're evil. There is no such thing as an outside entity or a power or evil in this world. Only 11% say that. 89% say, absolutely, there is evil at work within our globe. And I see it. I have felt it. I kind of understand it in sort of ways. It is there. And of course, our media. Our films draw on that with films about the occult and films about darkness. And when you've got 89% really believing it, it made me wonder whether that is the percentage even within the church. And whenever you start to think about this subject, for me, and I speak on, on, on spiritual warfare, I'll be honest, it's not my favorite subject because things start to go wrong. You know, the computer blows up. The, this week, the car breaks down, which you do not want when you're going on a road trip. And, and things start to happen. And I thought, oh, well, I'd, you know, that was it. I delivered the message last night. Nothing's going to happen. And that a dog was up all last night. Now, you say, well, you know, coincidence. But you know, I think what we've got to, uh, I've learned is probably what C.S. Lewis said. He said, Christians' response to the world of darkness is often that they choose to ignore it. Or they pretend it's not there. It's a very difficult issue when we ignore and we pretend that it's not there. And this is what the apostle really wanted to speak about. And you yourself may have experienced something like this. You yourself may have felt like you've experienced a battle. You yourself may know that you, the life hasn't been straightforward. And, and, and if you're like me, did you notice that when you gave your life completely to the Lord Jesus Christ and you chose to utterly and completely live for him, did you notice that things got tougher? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. The enemy doesn't have to worry about the world and non-believers. The only true opposition to darkness and the power of evil within this world is the church of Christ. And if the enemy can keep us inactive, uncommitted, and not prayerful, and not devoted, and not standing for Christ then he's doing a good job because what terrifies the powers of darkness is a church that is on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So he wants to do his best. So you've wondered, why is everything? So he doesn't have to run around and, 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 and just allow uh, and just concentrate all the powers of hell against unbelievers and darkness and against people that don't even understand. Because the law of sin and death does its job very well there. But with us, you're in a battle. So let me read some scripture to you with what we'll be lingering over a number of weeks. Verse 10 of chapter 6. And finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Let's park it around these verses for a few moments and start to think about it. First of all, what he's trying to describe here, the apostle is making a very clear statement. And the clear statement is this. He is trying to tell this church, actually these group of churches in Asia Minor, that they have to what? That as a church and as Christians, they have to stay alert to unexpected surprise and attack of the enemy. However you read this scripture, this is the conclusion you must come to, that the church in Asia Minor, and as he writes this glorious letter of Ephesians, he's saying to them, listen, be alert. Because the danger is that you can be lulled into a sense of security and be inactive, and you can forget that we are in a battle. So be alert. Don't let the lullaby of our society, the lullaby of compromise, the lullaby of it doesn't really matter what I do because I am going to heaven anyway, the lullaby of inactive faith to rock you to sleep. It is clear that the apostle is talking about the reality that we must stay utterly and completely alert to the schemes of the enemy. Say, but I don't feel like I'm in a battle. Really? I don't understand the battle. Probably not. Why is that? Well, because often the foot soldier in the trenches doesn't have a clear view of the global battle that he's taking on when there's a battle for the planet and a battle for the salvation of the world. But who does? The general. And Christ himself understands where his church is, where we are, where we are part of this global battle. And we may feel irrelevant. We may feel as if we do not have a part to play. But the truth is this. There is a global struggle going on for the salvation of nations. And as part of the church of Christ, we are his soldiers and we are involved in warfare. Let me tell you something that's not going to make you very happy. And if you're not a Christian, it might put you off becoming a Christian. That when you become a Christian, you did not enter into the easy life. You ever seen those little red buttons with the word easy on at dollar stores? Yeah? And you press it and it goes, easy, in, in a, an American accent. And that was easy. 
And you may think, I've, I've got saved. I've become a Christian. I can put up my evangelical spirit-filled hammock and I can lie there underneath God's great palm tree and I can drink my virgin margarita. And, and as I lie there, Rocking backwards and forwards on my hammock, I have entered the easy life because I am now a child of God. Listen, the Apostle Paul is not describing an easy life. He's describing that we are soldiers, that we're in a fight and it is a battle. And the enemy wants to take you and I out. And if you're not a Christian, the enemy wants to stop you experiencing the joy of knowing the Lord. He talks about principalities and powers, spiritual realms. He talks about all of these things. Sometimes it can be difficult trying to understand these concepts. But what we do know is that it is real, it is active. Talks about how Organizations, of course, the Roman Empire was a principality and a power that turned its eye on the church and tried to annihilate the church for over 300 years. So they understood how the enemies of darkness can use principalities and powers, government and systems to annihilate the church. You just try and be a Christian in North Korea. You try and live for Christ radically in parts of communist China or even today in parts of Russia, you try and step out for Jesus in parts of of South America where it's ruled by drug lords and by by, uh, mafia and organized crime, it is not easy because there are principalities and powers that want to oppose the very church. And there are spiritual realms of the demonic and of the unseen. You see, he uses this word in this passage. It's, it's about light. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of the dark world, against spiritual force of evil in the heavy realm. We are in a, in a battle. He makes it pretty well here, this little phrase in verse 12, this dark world. It may be a surprise to some people, not to 89% of North Americans, that we live in a dark world, that there is evil that exists. And the scripture is very clear in this. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5 talks about that we are children of the light with the glorious shining of the sun on our lives in a dark world. And God has called us to be a children of the light. And what the light does, the light is present and there is a clear divide globally between what is light and what is dark. When was the darkest moment in all history? 
Well, I guess apart from the fall, the darkest moment when Christ was hanging on the cross. And there he died and darkness descended. And at that point, the forces of darkness believed they had won decisive victory. And they destroyed the Messiah, the hope of the world. And all of hell rejoiced. That was the darkest moment. But of course that was in many ways the greatest moment because Christ rose on the third day. And from that moment on the cross and his resurrection to the moment of the most glorious day when he will return... We are in an age between. He has secured the victory of the battle. And until the full victory is revealed with his coming, he has placed a church on this planet to fight and to believe and to win the nations to the Lord and to be a banner of truth and righteousness and declare the goodness and the freedom of God. It's in the Old Testament, they battled against the Assyrians. They battled, what? Against Against the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all the ites, except the Mennonites. They did all of that and battled against them. And yet it's pretty clear in the New Testament that as we read the Old Testament, we see the great battles But it's pretty clear that Paul is teaching us something. You know, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about global campaigns. It's about a battle for the souls of people. And we are chosen to fight in that battle. And he wants to keep us, A, not a praying people, not a believing people, not a people that are willing to step out. He loves our complacency. He loves to find us lulling. He loves us believing that we can have an easy life and where there is a global battle raging and we are part of the church of Christ to engage in this. So, what's our enemy like? Well, first of all, I want to just say that he is a formidable foe. Although he's a formidable foe, you can't compare him to the vastness and the beauty and the glory of the omnipresent, omnipotent, glorious, or knowing, or seeing God. He's powerful. And that's good news for us. That is amazing news because God has created the cosmos. And in fact, darkness and Satan were created as angels of light who fell from the glories of heaven. We understand that. We know that we're in a great struggle. And this great struggle of this age that we're in before the age to come, we are called to be good fighters, to keep praying, to keep believing, to keep asking God to move and to work. And to battle. Went to a funeral yesterday. One of our members, James Peter's father, uh, Peter Peters. What struck me about the whole funeral was this little statement that he, in his life, had picked one unreached tribe in Asia 
And they had focused on that unreached people group and had prayed that the gospel would invade that people group and the light of Jesus would come and bring salvation to that people group. An old Mennonite pastor believing for revival amongst an unreached people hidden in the mountains. Now that is a true warrior of Christ. What are you contending for? You see, he's formidable. He is ruthless. He desires to tear us to pieces. He is invisible. He is an invisible foe that works, that desires to to work. And often we don't see his schemes and his ideas and what he's doing. We'll talk about those later on in the series. He's invisible and present. And let me tell you something. There is no Geneva Convention with the powers of darkness because there is no goodness that dwells within them. They just want to take you and I out. And they just want to take the church out of every nation in the world because everything we stand for, darkness desires to oppose. So, you know, you look at the Geneva Convention, what, 1864, this is how you should uh, treat prisoners. This is the rules of engagement for war. This is how it should be. You should care for civilians and refugees and so on, created out of a kind of humanitarian way of doing war. There's nothing kind, nothing humanitarian about the spiritual world against the church of Christ. And we have to wake up to the fact that we are actually in a battle. So where does it come here? Look at this word in verse 12, struggle. It's the only time it's actually used in the New Testament in this context. Struggle is actually replaced by wrestle. Wrestle. We are called to wrestle. And if you've always wondered, why is my Christian life, it's not as easy as I thought. It's not as hard. And and Paul is doing something here in this passage. He's mixing metaphors. If you know me well, I'm very happy to mix metaphors. Use this example for that, that example for this. Paul did it, so I can do it. And, and he's mixing his metaphors. He's going from wrestling to warfare, from wrestlers through to, to legions and soldiers and armory and so on. But he were, uses this word struggle, which is the only time... Wrestling is used in the New Testament in any of the writings in this way. So he's making a very clear cultural point and he's illustrating something clear. Because in every town, in every city, in Asia Minor, people wrestled. People gathered. There were wrestling schools. There were uh, availability for, 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 for people to wrestle. People love wrestling. And we still today love wrestling. I remember being a, tea, a young boy growing up in the 70s and Saturday afternoon wrestling in England. We always used to watch. Two groups of people watched it. Really old people. I watched it with my grandmother because she loved it. And... Ooh, she'd suck her mints, and she'd watch them throw themselves around, and grandchildren who were about eight or nine, and we'd all sit there, and there were great wrestlers called Big Daddy. What a cool name. 
giant haystacks. That's because he was big and looked like a haystack. And, and they would battle with each other. And it was, it was in a little ring. Nothing like today's wrestling, whatever, WWW, what Jesus would not do. And all of this <laughs> stuff. And, and I, I, I'd look at it and my dad would look at me and go, look at that. You know it's all fake, don't you? No. Really? Really? It's, yes, it's all planned. I, it's amazing. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that a spiritual battle is a wrestle that is close up and personal to each one of us. Have you ever found that your spiritual life and that you serving Christ, it's felt like a strain, it's felt like a struggle, it's felt in fact like a wrestle. It's tough. You push this way and there's a push back. You go to be this way and there's resistance. You try and work it out. That's because the apostle was experiencing this himself. He says, uh, we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers of this dark world. In other words, it is up close and personal. It is individual combat. It is between two opponents and you've got to be careful that the enemy does not pin you down. One, two, three. And take you out. We've got to be careful about that. I don't think there's a day in my life in recent years where I haven't felt the struggle and the wrestle of life and ministry and not felt the battle and not felt the moment and the pushback and the resistance that exists when you start to go deeper and deeper with Christ. And if you're experiencing resistance, I would suggest to you that you're on the right track. Now, I know absolutely nothing about wrestling. I... um. I admitted this. I don't even know the names of the moves. I tried to Google it and find out. And, and, and I discovered that there are names of moves. I only knew this from wrestlers from last night's service. Came up to me and said, Ah, oh, we can tell you some moves. Don't show me. And, you know, there's the half Nelson apparently. There is the hip toss. There is the single leg, leg lift. Now I know, I look around here, I know there are some of you that, that are involved in those kind of activities. I'm sure Chris down the front knows all of this. He can, he's a deadly man. He knows all of this. He's a black belt. He knows all of this. But I've got to ask myself the question, when I'm up and personal and close, and the enemy is pinning down, what half Nelson can I move to remove the power of the enemy as I wrestle with him? And we'll be discussing that throughout this series. 
Next week, we're talking about lies and the powers of lies. So don't miss that. If you know there's people living under lies and misconceptions, get them here and bring them here. But what are the moves? What are the moves that are there when we're battling and we're going? Well, there are three things I want to bring your attention to to close that you can start to lean in and start to think about in terms of our wrestle and our battle. First of all, it's a strange one I know, but I noticed that when the enemy was defeated, in the Gospels, it was when the healing power of Christ was at work. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 9, he talks about when he sends out the 70, those out two by two. And there he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And they came back rejoicing because people were healed. People were freed. God's power came. Wonderful things happened. And the kingdom of darkness was pushed back. And Jesus said, when I saw that, Satan fell like lightning from heaven down. One of my moves I've realized is that when I am pinned down and I feel the weight of the struggle and I'm battling, one of the most beautiful things in my own walk with the Lord is when his healing touch comes and touches my heart. Because you and I know that what, when we wrestle the unseen, we're often wrestling hurts, damages, ideas, and wounds. We're wrestling the stuff of Isaiah 61, brokenheartedness, a downcast spirit. We are poor. We are mourning. We have a broken heart. And in those moments of brokenheartedness, I feel the enemy pinning me to the ground. Maybe you do. You, you live with grief. You live with brokenheartedness. You live with pain. You live with the hurt of people's words. And those words are like a wrestler sat on you and pinning you down. But when his healing touch comes in my heart... Boom, that wrestler flies off because he cannot resist the touch of Jesus in my life. And some of us are pinned to the floor because we've never allowed the inner work of Christ's sanctifying power to heal our pains, our disappointments, and our agonies, and we are pinned. And when we understand this, the second move, it's, which is the hip toss, if you like. It's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel within our lives, the redeeming love, the great sacrifice, the power of Christ. But how do we apply that practically? Well, we apply that, that when I feel pinned down and engaging in hand-to-hand warfare, and I feel I'm struggling in life, and I can't barely cope, and the weight of the battle is on me, you know what I remind myself of? That I am redeemed, that I am loved, that I am a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that I am not a servant, I'm not a slave, I am a son, I am a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
What does this boil down to? The realization that no matter how hard you work, you are utterly and completely loved by the Heavenly Father. And let nobody tell you anything different. Let no preacher, let nobody, let no author, because the love of God is unstoppable and He loves you. He is for you. And I'll tell you, when you have a revelation of how much God the Father loves His children, you move that way and you flick that enemy out of that ring by the power of God's love in your life. The third move, and you know, I'm continually praying, Lord, baptize me afresh in your love. Just let me love everybody. Let me know your love. Let me know that I'm loved. The third one, and where he surprise you, is community. You see, the enemy isolates people and makes them feel as if they're alone. But when we are feeling the force of the battle... And the wrestling force, what we need is others around us. See, this is where Paul mixes his metaphors in this whole great passage. Because he goes from wrestling to being part of a legion. Of linking shields together, of praying together, of connecting together. And even when you link shields, you know what it's like when you're going through a wrestling difficult time. You get with another brother or sister. You talk for a while and then you agree together. You pray together. You fight together about that issue. You step away. How do you feel? You feel blessed because of that relationship because you've linked shields. You need each other. And let me tell you what the greatest ploy and bait of the enemy is for us in community. It's offense. That we become offended with each other. We become offended with this person. We become offended. And Satan loves to create offense in the body of Christ so that we resent we are, feel hurt. He loves us to isolate us from the community because when we're isolated from the community, the lion can pick us off. There you go, I'm mixing metaphors again. But we're vulnerable. We need community. We need each other. We need to value those prayer times. You're in a resting situation. You need to get with others. You need to, to join with others. You need to stand with, with, with friends and pastors and others and wrestle together. Because as they're wrestling on your behalf, they are like those friends carrying the cripple in the times of trouble. They are like those that are standing there and knowing that strength. <clears throat> it's amazing. It's amazing the power of togetherness. And a good community is one of the most powerful weapons against the powers of darkness. Friends, fellowship, community. 
I recently watched more for nostalgia, I suppose. The first Rocky movie. Possibly the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. If you haven't watched it, that's okay. But he's in the ring, the underdog, and he's facing the world champion. And all in that corner, it gets down to what, the 12th round. And in the corner are his trainers and his friends. And his, his wife comes from the back. I mean, it's, oh, sorry, it's just amazing. And then... And then he's like, and the, the trainer's screaming in his ear, you can do it, you can do it. And he drops his cigar, I don't know, you know, and you can do it. And, and Ruggie, he goes, because brilliant, brilliant words, he goes, yeah, yeah, I can do it. And <laughs> I mean, the writing and the literature is immense. And yeah, yeah. And he gets up and the crowd is now cheering, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. And the love of his life comes out. I'm trying to remember a name. <laughs> you see, you've watched it. Adrian. And she's standing there and there's that moment and of course he... He doesn't actually win, but he goes 12 rounds and goes through and survives. <laughs> and he's pretty ugly at the end of it. He was at the beginning. But I just love that whole sense of crowd cheering in the middle of the ring. And I wonder, of course, I know that we have a great cloud of witnesses in the glory of eternity cheering for the, you. We have each other pounding on the side going, come on, wrestle it through, fight it through, beat it. You can do it. And I don't know what you've turned up to church with this morning or what burden you are carrying or what is happening in your life. But let me tell you something, dear church, you are loved and the power of God's love can resist the force of the enemy. You are loved. What does the enemy want to do? Let me just read some things I wrote down as I was thinking about this. And praying for us and you on this. The enemy wants to distract and dis depress believers. He loves it when you're distracted. And he loves it when you become depressed and there seems to be no way out. He loves it when we invest time in irrelevant things rather than things that give us life and give us strength. He loves it when we become fascinated by distorted small theological isms. And we get caught up on strange Fringe ideas rather than, than the truth of proclaiming the power of the redemptive gospel in the world and being a praying, devoted, Bible-devouring people. And of course, there's always the old three. Sex, power, and money. Always. 
So as you face the battle and the wrestle, just three moves I want to teach you this week. Next week, we'll teach you about lies. The week after, we'll move on. But if I want to throw the enemy off in my life, I need and look for that moment of healing touch within me. Where I feel God's power and his healing touch to throw off the force of the opposition. And live and dwell in a, in a baptism of the knowledge that I am loved by God and I desire to love everybody. And I'm part of a great legion. You're part of a great army. Link shields. Link shields. The church is the army of the Lord and this globe. Let's pray together. As we...